there are many different sense objects that can be used as a focal point for concentration. The rhythm of the breathing, the rhythm of the footsteps, these are most uh, common and accessible sense, uh, sense objects to use for concentration in this style of practice. An alternative that we can develop is what is called the inner listening. Some of you will be familiar with this, some not so. This is the active use of what's called the inner sound, or the nada, to turn the hearing inwards, to listen inwardly, and to discern what is uh, usually experienced as a continuous, high-pitched ringing tone, a silvery, continuous sound in the background of our hearing. Some people find this easy to discern, some people not so easy or impossible. But if this inner vibration can be perceived, it's a very helpful alternative, particularly for mindfulness of breathing. There's no need to theorize about what it might be, or how it might work, or what it might mean. I'm not looking for significant symbolic value, rather just using its natural ongoing presence as something that the attention can be trained to focus upon. If you turn your attention to the hearing, you can notice this inner sound but be aware that it doesn't respond to any kind of personal will. Unlike the breath, where you can choose to breathe deeply or shallow. You can breathe long or short. Personal will has an effect on the breath. But the inner sound, the nada, you can either pay attention to it or not. Will and choice don't have any effect on the quality of the, the sound itself. It's present. It's like the force of gravity. It just is there. You can notice it or not notice it, but your choices have no effect on the, the action of gravity in the body, pulling the body to the earth. In the same way, the inner sound does not respond to any kind of personal choice, but it's ever-present.
similar to the breath, it's not exciting or particularly interesting, it doesn't carry any information, it doesn't grab the attention, so effort needs to be put forth to focus upon it. There's a need to rouse the heart, to attend, to listen. But it also has the effect that when you listen to it, the more you pay attention, the easier it is to notice, and the more energized the mind tends to become. There's something of a positive feedback loop. The more you focus on the inner sound, the easier it is to focus. The more energy there is in the system that is available. And different people experience this in different ways. Some very specifically as a sound, others discern it more tangibly as a vibration in the body. Tingling in the fingertips, feeling the vibratory quality in the whole of our physical being. Others might discern it as the quality of the visual field, kind of shimmering in the, in the quality of inner vision, inner seeing. But for the majority of people, the strongest impression is one of sound. So by listening to the inner sound, it supports the quality of listening to thought. And just as the inner sound doesn't carry any information or meaning, but we can listen to it steadily, continuously, not making anything out of it. In the same way, it helps us to Learn to listen to the thoughts that arise and pass through the mind. Just listen and not make anything out of it. Just as in the readings from Lumpur Chah's teachings. Noticing the reactions of liking and disliking, approving, disapproving, not making anything of that. Pleasure and pain, success and failure. Happiness and unhappiness. We can train the heart to simply listen, to know, to receive the impressions, to let them pass through, to not make anything of them. Liking is just liking. Disliking is just disliking. Hoping is just hoping. Regretting is just regretting. Whether the feelings are positive, negative, neutral. Reminiscing about the past with fondness, nostalgia. Or with pain, regret, resentment. We can just listen. 
those impressions of the past. Not make anything of them. Judgments of the present. Liking, disliking, comfort, discomfort. You can listen. Expectations, hopes, fears of the future, plans. I want to, I'm going to, I should do. Plans, hopes, fears. We can listen to them. Just let them be known in the, in the sphere of our awareness. A plan for the future arises, does its thing, fades away. A fear, dread, what's going to happen? Arises, it's felt. Can be received, attended to. Then it dissolves, just like a word. Begins, and ends. Well, by using this inner sound as a concentration object, then it supports the non-entanglement, the non-identification with thinking, with emotion, with the body, its physical sensations. When the mind is able to simply listen to thought, to know liking as liking, disliking as disliking, they're recognized as being of equal value, and simply patterns of nature, patterns of experience. That's all. They don't have to limit the mind, or define the mind, or define who and what we are. Self-creation, ahankara, the eye-making, mamankara, mind-making habits of mind, are fed by thinking, constantly retelling the stories of who we are. I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm a monk, I'm a layperson, I'm a nun. I'm old, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm sick. I'm really getting somewhere, I'm falling apart. It used to be awful. It used to be great. The mind tells itself these stories. It continually recreates the persona. Self-view, Sakaya Ditti, is fed. Maintained through thinking. And the habits of attachment. Identification, eye making and mind making, a hunker, So, one of the most helpful ways to free the heart then is to support the insight into not self through letting go of thinking, not believing 
thoughts. As Gumpuchar said, they're all lies. Thoughts are lies. Or at best, half-truths, convenient fictions. Well, to develop insight and also to use the, the quality of inner listening very effectively, along with taking it as a concentration object, the mind is focused and steady, awake, listening to the, the inner sound, and into that internal space of the mind. A question can be introduced. Reflective question. Who is it that's meditating? What is it that listens to this sound? Who's asking this question? Does the mind have an owner? We can vary the kind of question or statement according to our own wishes or interests that needs to be explored. But in this way, this kind of questioning is applied, it's a skillful use of doubt, of inquiry, not to make the mind more busy or confused, but rather when a question like, who am I, is asked, or what is it that's aware? What is a person? You're not looking for a conceptual answer. The point of the question is not trying to define the, the perfect theoretical description. Not at all. Rather, the question is asked in order to puncture the beliefs and habits of thinking. And the question, who am I, is asked in the clarity of the awake mind. Very quickly it becomes obvious that the word who doesn't really apply. The mind is not a who. And even if it develops what, what am I? Even what? Even creating the mind as a thing in a world of other things, that's not quite right either. And the word I, and that question is asked, and it's put in the silence and clarity of the, the awake mind. Even the word I starts to sound very peculiar, presumptuous, weird. What is this? What is this quality that the word "I" is referring to? We raise these kind of questions, reflections, not to create the perfect idea, but to puncture, to deflate the habits of thinking, like popping a balloon, bursting a bubble. 
to free the heart. As in that moment of recognition that who doesn't apply or I doesn't really have a meaning. There's a, a freeing of the heart. There's a limitlessness, spaciousness, a simplicity. This kind of practice is called the, the head and the tail. So the head is the question. Who am I? What is this I? The head is the question. The tail is the silence that comes after the question has been posed. The silence of the awake mind before more conceivings can form themselves, before the thinking mind can, can wade in and start creating a, a new me, a better, more improved spiritual me. The tail is the silence of the awake mind. After that kind of question is posed, before the thinking mind can wade in and start creating, there's clarity, simplicity, wakefulness, no sense of self. I let the mind rest in that spaciousness, in that, in that gap, as Don Porcelmato would describe it. Let the attention abide, embody that spacious, awake quality. Not having to be anything, anybody, any person. Not to be going anywhere or coming from anywhere. Not to have anything, be anything. As is said in the teachings, Nibbana is a place of no thingness, it's a place of non possession. Anadana, not only. Unformed, no things. Let the mind embody that quality of awakened awareness, not being anything. The mind is not a person. It's an aspect of Dhamma. The mind is Dhamma itself. Not a person, it doesn't belong to a person. It's not a self, it doesn't belong to a self. In that wakeful quality, it's simply Dhamma aware of its own nature. It's not a person practicing, or a nun, or a monk, or a lay person. It's Dhamma aware of its own nature. That's all. So simple, liberating.
peaceful. 